0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grow Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grow Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message Grace and Peace to You. Well, we're nearing the end of our Lenten journey together. And, you know, Lent is meant, as we've said around here, to prepare us to experience Jesus in fresh ways and new ways. Fasting has traditionally been a part of the Lenten season. Some of you have been fasting. And when we fast, we deny ourselves of earthly things so that we can be filled with the greater things of the gospel. I guess you could say this, that, that the, the goal of Lent is not to give things up, but rather to give ourselves, to give our hearts to Jesus. That is the purpose of Lent, to give our hearts to Jesus. And and I think we can also say this faithfully, that, that Lent is the process of reminding us of who is in charge, who's in charge of my life. Lent helps remind us of that. With that in mind, I'd like to bow in prayer as we begin this message to look at God's Word. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we do come before you and we do recognize, Lord, that this Lenten season provides an opportunity for us. Whether we've been journeying the entire Lenten season or if we're just picking up today and we've never heard of Lent before, that it provides an opportunity for all of us to experience Jesus, to give our hearts to Jesus, to be filled with the greater things of the gospel. We pray, Lord, that you use this time right now as we spend this time looking at your word, the Holy Scriptures. To build us up to that end we ask all of this in the powerful name of jesus amen what well, seems like our world is coming to a crossroads doesn't it i mean it really does when you consider that there's this microscopic virus that's unseen by the naked eye that is plaguing all of humanity i mean think about it a, a global pandemic worldwide economic crisis. Much of human activity has ceased at this time. It certainly feels like we're coming to a crossroads. And and you wonder this, where do we go from here? Which direction do we take? A crossroads will make you ask questions like that. Another question that that a crossroads will cause you to ask is this, who is in charge of my life? I just said that, that Lent helps to, 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 to uh, adjust our view, to understand who's in charge of our life. Well, I believe that the kind of crossroads that the world is at right now certainly makes us consider who is in charge of my life. You know, we're beginning Holy Week today. Palm Sunday is the start of Holy Week. And Palm Sunday brought the entire universe to a crossroads. All of humanity, all of the world stopped when this thing happened that we're going to talk about today, this instance. And Palm Sunday has a way of showing us who indeed is in charge. Who's in charge. So let's take a look at this narrative. You know, Pastor Robbie just read to you from the Gospel of Luke. We've been in Luke for this entire series. Now this account of the triumphal entry of Jesus shows up actually in all four Gospels. You've heard a little bit from Luke today. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 21. And before I open it up and I read a few verses here, I've got to give you some background. This will be really helpful to understand this passage, I believe. So this, of course, involves Israel. And this is happening. This Palm Sunday event is happening at about 30 to 33 A.D. Now, a few hundred years before all of that, the Jewish people, the Israelites had been delivered from Babylonian conquest or Babylonian exile. But yet they were still awaiting the golden age that had been foretold by the prophets and promised by them. They were looking ahead to a time when they'd be blessed with God's presence. And it didn't feel like that had arrived yet. And so things like this happened that really shook their confidence. You see, in in 63 B.C., Rome had conquered the Israelites with, the, with, the, uh, with Pompey at the helm, and when this happened, they took over control of the Jewish people, and so at the time of Jesus, Israel was under Roman rule, and the thing that you have to know is this, the Israelites hated being under Roman rule. They despised the fact that they were under these foreigners' uh, regulations and under their their regulations. And so we find them really disturbed by this, and it comes to a head at the Passover. And this passage happens, uh, coincides with the happening of the Passover, the time when the Jewish people would celebrate the fact that God had delivered them miraculously from Egyptian slavery and what they were longing for was to see God once again deliver them from Roman rule this time. And so they would read the prophecies, like the one found in Zechariah 9.9. You should write that down. You can go back and check it out this week. Zechariah 9.9. And it speaks of a Messiah who would come. In fact, this passage, Zechariah 9.9, is actually quoted in Matthew 21, which we're going to see here in a moment. And because of this, there were so-called Messiahs who would crop up every year at Passover. It's thought that two million people would descend on Jerusalem in these days to celebrate the Passover. And when they did, so-called messiahs would crop up and claim to be the one who would deliver the Jewish people out of Roman captivity or Roman rule. And so there would be riots that would happen. The people were hungering and thirsting for a king. That's the background. Now let's pick up the passage in Matthew 21, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Here's that prophecy, Zechariah 9:9. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, as we read this passage, I would suggest to you that there are at least three questions that may have been on the minds of some in the audience when this happened. They actually might be questions that are in your mind today. The first question is this why did jesus ride a donkey why a donkey you know this is actually the only time recorded in all four of the gospels where we see jesus riding an animal and obviously part of this is to fulfill the prophecy but still why a donkey why not a horse i mean the romans and their conquering parades and their displays of majesty would ride horses their leaders would be on uh, a gallant steed, so to, speak, so to speak. They'd ride in on horses, not Jesus. Well, why not a mule? I mean, there was biblical precedence for, for a, a leader riding a mule. King David had mules. A mule, a hybrid between a horse and a donkey. Jesus didn't even ride in on a mule. Jesus rode in on a donkey. Actually, we read that it perhaps was a colt a young donkey, maybe a baby donkey. It's, it's actually kind of silly to think of the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, God in the flesh, riding on a lowly animal like a donkey. But yet that's what we see. And I believe that Jesus is making a statement about who he is by choosing not to ride on a war horse Not to ride in even on a mule like King David, but to ride in on a donkey. And the statement he's making is one of this. He is saying, I am humble, and I am gentle. Jesus is making a big statement about who he is. He says, I'm coming to you in humility. I'm coming to you in gentleness. And this is really important because Jesus comes to us with gentleness and humility. That's how it comes to us as well. Some of you are listening to this and your whole life, you've thought that God is out to get you. That, that somehow God is just waiting to punish you. Well, there's certainly some precedence for God's judgment and we look ahead to a day when Jesus will ride in on a horse. But in this instance, as we read this passage, what do we see? We see a gentle and humble Savior. Look, many people Are fearful right now. Many people are anxious right now. Jesus Christ comes to you and he speaks words of peace. Jesus, who is humble and who is gentle, he comes to you in that spirit, just as he came to the people on this day. Now, we also have to talk about how Jesus obtained this cult. It's pretty unusual, isn't it? I mean, my wife and I have three daughters. And these three daughters, of course, uh, pretty, pretty close in age, and throughout the years, they have had fights about a lot of things, usually about stuff that they think they possess. I mean, for instance, they'd fight over hairbrushes. They all have long, beautiful hair. They'd fight over food. They would fight over toys when they were really little. They'd fight over clothes as they get older. There's this sense of ownership over things. And by the way, my wife and I look at them and say, you know what? None of that belongs to you. It belongs to us. You have no money. These these people who saw Jesus and his followers come on his behalf and claim this donkey had to maybe think, who is he to just take this colt and take possession of it? I mean, how could he just say, this is mine, I need to have this? They may have wondered that. Well, I'll tell you who he is. Jesus is the king. And listen, that donkey belonged to him. And and that road that he rode in on, it belonged to him. And that temple that he arrived at, it belonged to him. The people who were in the crowd belonged to them. Jesus was claiming lordship here over all these things. Not just the donkey. Over the road, over the temple, over the people, all of it. And in the same way, Jesus Christ declares lordship over you and me. This is really important. Jesus is the king, and everything, everything belongs to him. That means your body belongs to him. That means your bank account belongs to him. That means your life, my life, they'll belong to him. Look, in these days, you might feel like you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You you may feel as if you're having to let go of things or prepare yourself to let go of things you never thought that you could let go of. Some of you may be listening to this and questioning whether you believe or everything you believe. These are difficult times. They're challenging times. But in these times, in death, in life, we proclaim that we belong to him. And that is an incredible comfort. That is an incredible hope for us. We belong to him. So listen, Jesus is the king and everything belongs to him, including you and me. So that's the donkey. Let's look at the next section of scripture here. We see that that the disciples go on. The disciples went, jumping in at verse 6, So we looked at one question, let's look at the second question. The second question is this, why all the commotion and the branches? I mean, what's this all about? So we have these people shouting Hosanna. Let's talk about what the, what the root of this shout of Hosanna, this cry of Hosanna may have been about. You see, there was a group of people in Israel at that time called the Zealots. And the Zealots were nationalists. They were people who were longing for freedom. And independence for israel they were they were very zealous about this hence the name they were looking for israel's redemption and return what they wanted was freedom what they wanted was to be out from under roman rule and so they had a slogan and that slogan was hosanna and hosanna means save us and so the the, the root of this cry in the crowd well could have been these zealots who are shouting hosanna give us freedom deliver us from the romans well what about the palm branches what about the branches that are cut down and spread out what's that about isn't that a sign of peace and love well not necessarily you see back in the times when israel was independent they of course had coins currency And what was depicted on that currency was a palm branch. And so once again, these palm branches well could have been a a display of Jewish nationalism, a longing for, for freedom. What the people wanted was political freedom. This is what they were looking for. And you can only imagine as they see Jesus ride in on a donkey, They're wondering, is he like the other ones? Is he going to disappoint us? Is this really the Messiah? They're watching every move. And what does he do? When he gets to the temple, we read in the book of Mark, in Mark's account of this. And by the way, go ahead and read all these accounts this week. As they get and arrive to the the temple, Jesus takes a look around the temple, it says in the Gospel of Mark, decides that it's late at night, and goes home he does nothing can you imagine the disappointment of these people who are looking for someone to make a grand statement tell us you're the king tell us how you're going to deliver us tell us how you're going to you're going to get us out from under roman rule and what does jesus do when he gets to the temple he walks away no great statement no press conference none of that this is important jesus doesn't always meet our expectations I'm going to be really clear about this. I'm talking about our expectations. Our God doesn't disappoint. But he doesn't always meet our expectations at the same time. You know, during this time, there are many people who are facing problems. Many, many challenges that we're all facing. And for many of us, this causes us to pray. And we would certainly encourage all of you to pray. If you're not praying, turn to the Lord. Pray. Pray spend time seeking him. But bear this in mind, when we pray, we have to make sure that we don't put expectations on what God might have for us. You see, we have a tendency as people, just like these people in the crowd, to place unfair expectations on God. We have to be careful that there's there's not a place where Our expectations don't align with God's ways and his purposes because they're oftentimes different. That's why we pray, as we just prayed this morning, thy will be done, Lord. Thy kingdom come. Because we recognize that we want our expectations to be God's expectations, his purposes, his ways. That's what we're looking for. And so listen, Jesus is the king and he is not obligated to live up to our expectations. That's a very humbling word for us right now. Jesus is the king. He has no obligation to live up to our expectations. We want his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we've talked about the donkey. We've talked about the commotion and the branches let's look at a third question let's finish this passage verses 10 and 11 when jesus entered jerusalem the whole city was stirred and asked who is this the crowds answered this is jesus the prophet from nazareth in galilee isn't it interesting the people say who is jesus that's our third question the people are wondering who is jesus it's almost comical That these people who are laying down palm branches, who are shouting Hosanna, they look around and say, who is this guy? Is he the one? Is he the Messiah you see? The people were looking for a Messiah, small m, who offered political deliverance, who offered a political kingdom, but God was offering something very different. God was sending, he gave the people a Messiah who offered forgiveness and deliverance from sin. Something totally different. You know, Jesus is indeed, make no mistake about it, he is the Messiah. The Old Testament spoke of this word Messiah. The Hebrew word for Messiah means anointed one, or or one who is chosen. In the New Testament, we see another word used to express this. We see the word Christos. And Christos, means Christ, which means anointed. You know, there's a sense that Jesus is the king. He's anointed. His name is Jesus Christ. By the way, Christ isn't his last name. Christ is his office. He is king. He is Messiah. He is the anointed one. So we have Jesus, whose name is Yeshua, which means God saves, Jesus, Christos, anointed one, anointed king. You see, Jesus is both savior and king. One of the things we say in the church often is that we have accepted Jesus to be our Lord and savior. We'll ask people, have you confessed that Jesus Christ is the Lord and savior of your life? Sometimes, though, I think that in my mind, and maybe you feel this way too, I mistake that to mean that he is the laborer and servant of my life. I have an expectation. I want God to do for me. God, I need you to fix this. God, I need you to rescue me. Is he your laborer and servant? Or is he your Lord your Savior? Listen, Lord means Savior. And Savior means Lord. Jesus is the King. He is the king. And listen, he is in charge of my life and your life. He's the king. And he's in charge. You know, one of the reasons that we're so excited about this, this holy week is because Jesus proved that he was king when he conquered the cross. I mean, that's why we look forward to Maundy Thursday. And that's why we look forward to Good Friday. And that's why we look forward to Easter, all these things. But of course, Palm Sunday, today, comes before Good Friday. And it comes before Easter. And what do we do on Palm Sunday? Well, I would suggest we do what we see the people here do in this instance with Jesus. What do they do? They lay down their branches and they cry out, Hosanna. They lay down their branches. They cry out, Hosanna. We can do that right here today because I believe that many of us are holding on to something. Not a branch, but we're holding on to things of this world. We're holding on to the hope of riches. We're holding on to the hope of, of health. We're hoping on, holding on to hope from deliverance for the, from a set of circumstances. Well, what if God acts in a different way? Who knows? I don't have the mind of God. I don't know what God is going to do. Just as you don't know exactly where all this is going, we're at a crossroads. So what do we do? We lay down our branches and we cry aloud, Hosanna. You know, where you're sitting right now, whether you're in your living room or in your kitchen or if you're even in your car, likely there's something around you. Maybe it's your cell phone. I've got a bottle of water here. Take any item you want. I want to lead you in an exercise as we prepare to pray. I want you to take that that item, your cell phone, piece of paper, and I want you to hold it symbolically in your hands to represent the things perhaps that you're holding on to. Is it your anxiety? Is it your fear? Is it the challenges you're facing, the problems that you're facing? Is it health? Is it your bank account? What is it? What are you holding on to today? And here's what I would encourage you to do on this Palm Sunday, to lay that thing down as we pray. And then we'll cry aloud, Hosanna, God, save us. Would you pray with me? Oh, God, we come before you, and, Lord, we recognize that we hold things in our hands, sometimes with clenched fists, because we're so concerned, we're worried about, yes, Lord, our bodies. We're worried about our bank accounts. Lord, we're worried about, about health and, and the ways of this world. We're, we're worried, uh, and we have anxiety, Lord, all these things, and we're holding on to them, perhaps, God. But, Lord, as we come to this crossroads on this Palm Sunday, we're reminded that we can lay these things down. And so, Lord, now, symbolically, We lay these things down. We we let go of these things. We surrender them. And as we do, God, we cry aloud, Hosanna. God, save us. God, save me. Oh, Lord, forgive me for, for putting unfair expectations on you. Oh Lord, forgive me for not recognizing you as the gentle, humble Savior. Oh Lord, forgive me for holding on so tightly to these things. Let this Palm Sunday be a reminder that I can let go of the things I have in my hands and trust them to you. Hosanna. God save us. Oh Lord, we thank you for Jesus who is the King. And we remind ourselves today, God, that everything, everything belongs to you. And I pray, God, that that would give us great comfort, that in death and in life, we can trust that we are in your hands. So yes, Lord, we lay it down, and we say, Hosanna, God save us. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, the conquering king, who came not to lead a political rally, but came to deliver people from their sins. We have salvation through him and him alone. We pray all of this and praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen.